welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 16. And as I always like to do, a reminder for you to please download, subscribe, leave a review, rate us. It's all very important. We're reaching the goal 500 downloads a week. We're getting closer every week, and then we'll look to go beyond that. I did not expect it to move this quickly, but it is. And it's started from the ground. We're doing this from the beginning, and thank you for getting in at the foundation. But let's keep it going. I promise to give you the best guests, the best conversations, and an escape from the doldrums of the sport that is on offer. This week on the Soccer OG... I am joined by not one, but both of the Cooligans, Alexis Guerreros, Christian Polanco, one of the true success pods in any sport. They will talk with me about what is happening, and let's face it, this is the busy time. This is the time we have been waiting for, where we have all the major competitions already happening or soon to be happening. Leagues just ended. This is a time to just consume as much of the beautiful game as possible. I will be pumping out two pods a week for the foreseeable future. As a result, great guests coming your way, and we're going to expand it to more than just one guest per show. Also, check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. The latest one there about World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF is slam dunking the competition. Heading towards 5,000 views. Unbelievable. It's happening all very fast, and we are in this together. Thank you for the support. Keep it coming. Subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll get to the other side very soon. And it comes back to you because it's a lot of nice stuff coming down the pike, if you know what I mean. Jelly bean. By the way, later in stoppage time, I'm going to make the game a better place. So many rules and regulations under the watchful eye of VAR, but I will talk about negative football and how we can stamp it out because it's been a problem in the Euros as we will take a closer look. The Soccer OG starts right now. And welcome back. I've been chomping at the bit. I didn't record a pod on Sunday. Last one I did was last Thursday with Taylor Twelman. But I wanted to get back because everything's happening. But it's hard to do it all the times because these things get dated. So we have a nice balance here with the Cooligans. You're going to really enjoy that conversation. Two guys that I, I, I really love and respect. And part of the reason I do this is, like I said with Jimmy Conrad, I was inspired to see what they did. A lot of heavy lifting, a lot of travel, a lot of money out of pocket to get on their feet. Now it's all happening for them. And we'll talk about everything and they can talk about everything and they can put a smile on your face. And we'll talk about the the cross points of presenting this sport in a intelligent way, but also in a realistic way, the way we would consume it at home, which is arguing, laughter, maybe under the influence of a few cold ones or icy ones. You know what I mean? I know a lot of beverages have been consumed. The wee hours of the morning, you know, start the days here at the Euros at 6 a.m. I've been pretty good about it. Actually, it's been a nice cadence. You have the Copa America that starts at 2 Pacific, and it's perfect. The games end at 2 from the Euros, and then you go to the Copa. But the Copa is in such a weird situation because there's only 10 teams. They have to have big gaps between games. You can't just play every day. You can't play every... Because teams would be playing with uh, a day between games. So uh, it's uh, problematic. By the way, I was watching some of the... the in South America, it's wintertime. And they have these aerial shots. Not so much in Brazil, but in Argentina where you can see the snow caps. It's fantastic. So, uh, by the way, the Copa America is going to take some warming up too. And I think with all these te- these tournaments, if you're a casual observer, it's nice to watch all of it. We know you can't watch all of it. It's going to get a lot better. With everything that's happened with these teams and these players, it's going to be a slow burn. And we saw it, not that it has anything to do with what happened to Christian Eriksen, but uh, it's even something like that, I think, is uh, you leave yourself uh, open for those kind of things to happen when these players are under so much stress, so much uh, activity. You know, they haven't had vacations. I'm not saying that's what happened to Christian Erickson, but I, when it, you know, when you see things like this and it's so crammed in, 
you know, things like this do happen. It is, uh, it's a situation now where the, the games will certainly get better. We've seen it. That's usually the rule of thumb for most competitions, certainly for the Euros, and certainly with regards to third-place teams qualifying where you don't have to put your foot on the pedal so quickly uh, at the early stages. Although, if you're Turkey, maybe you should have. It's a very forgiving tournament. But the, once we get to the nitty-gritty and single elimination knockout rounds, it'll pick up. But I'm enjoying these games, too, Uh with some exceptions, as I will talk about in stoppage time. So we'll, we'll save the Euro conversation for then. Uh, I did want <laughs> I felt terrible. But I couldn't help myself. And, and granted, it was a tweet of mine that actually got more traction than about 95% of my tweets. And that was Yergi Love on the sideline, sniffing his fingers. Uh, it was seen made famous four years ago or five years ago at the Euros where uh, Yergi would, you know, kind of get in on that. And um, <laughs> and I, I just want to say this. I, I posted a photo with, and I said double barrel. Both his fingers are up by his nose and he's sniffing. And he's he obviously has this thing. And I don't I wouldn't want to call it a problem, but it's just a comfort issue where his body smells. Not, and, and I was like being critical of him. And I go, man, I've done that before. I don't want to, and these people go, this man is disgusting. Who hasn't caught a whiff of maybe your underarm or maybe a little something off your lip or maybe a little sweaty part here and there? <laughs> I have, okay? I have. So I felt guilty casting stones towards Yorgi Love. Now, I do I do it like he does? Absolutely. Hey, does sometimes you have some flatulence and you you lift up the blanket and you, you catch a whiff of your own brand, and you're like, okay. Is that wrong? Am I, have, I just, just, have I just destroyed myself in front of this? I just feel bad for Yergi Love, and I felt bad about posting. I'm not going to pull it down because it got so much traffic. And Tweets with traffic do matter. It makes me laugh, but it's uh, you've got to have a camera on him. And he I don't think he cares. Good for him. Let him live his life. But uh, it's, uh, it was, uh, it, it's made Germany games, even that, where their head coach has... Uh, has um, so much, <laughs> such an interesting little subplot to all the games. And this is his last major tournament, replaced by Hansi Flick. By the way, I think, uh, I don't think the Germans make it to the round of 16. There's your, there's your breaking story right there. I think they lose to Portugal, and then they'd have to beat Hungary pretty convincingly. And I don't think that's going to happen. Hungary look okay. So I just had to bring it up about Jurgi Love. He who is not guilty shall cast the first stone. I know some of you out there have never done that, right? Never. Not even catch the mini whiff. Very well. Also want to talk about World Cup qualifying. When the World Cup format for CONCACAF was mentioned, I was, how is this going to work? This is uh, confusing. It's giving me a headache. Different levels, who plays where. It doesn't seem fair if you're the fifth place team in CONCACAF compared to the sixth place team because the fifth place team gets a double buy to the Octagon. Six, seven, and eight have to work their way in. It just so happens that six, seven, eight, which I think in that order was El Salvador, Jamaica, uh, El Salvador, Panama, and Canada all made it. So as they say in the NCAA tournament, it went to chalk. So good for that. Although you would have liked to have seen a nice surprise story. Maybe, you know, Trinidad and Tobago was a surprise story that they were bounced out so early. St. Kitts and Navis, we talked about, they made it. It was good that they didn't go any further. They couldn't have had World Cup dreams. Because if they got to the octagon, they would have probably got turned off on soccer because they, they would have just been stretched so far out with everything that it would have been some bad score lines. Curacao would have been different. And uh, they narrowly missed out against Panama as the Cur Curacao national team who have, you know, a, a lot of Dutch players of a very high ilk. I think they could have been competitive. But basically the takeaway is that CONCACAF is in good shape. You know, El Salvador always going to have limitations, but soccer is so popular down there. They got Eric Zavaleta of Toronto FC who has uh, Salvadorian lineage. So he gives them an upgrade. You know, he's like a top... 20 30 MLS defender and that's good because that's what they're lacking size and that technique and playing the ball off your feet they have some okay attacking players although El Salvador I 
is going to take some lumps, but not too many lumps. They'll probably finish eighth out of eight teams, but it's important to have them because when you look at the United States, so many folks that cover the sport, Fernando Palomo, who I'm going to have on this, so many other guys are from El Salvador. So they have a, a, a dog in the fight, a horse in the race, and I'm glad that they made it. And they did it convincingly, although their path was made a little easier. Panama, when they qualified for the World Cup, uh, I can't three years ago, they had a uh, they had an older group, Blas Perez and Roman Torres and Gabriel Gomez, that were at the end of it, and thankfully they got to experience the World Cup. And I was wondering how that transition would be here, but they do have some good players. Uh, Rodriguez, at number seven, Barcenas. Some good young players getting some experience uh, in, in some interesting leagues like like Austria. A lot of them in, in South America. You know, Harold Cummings. Uh, names I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And I do this off the top of my head, to be honest. You may not believe it. I do very few notes here. That's why I am the Sakurochi. Panama, I think, have made a good transition. Very hard to score against. It's going to be tough. And obviously, we look at it through the United States lens that if they can get a point in Panama City... If they can get points at Estadio Cuscutlan and San Pedro Sula, they'll make the World Cup pretty easily. And the U.S. team, it's this is a, a squad that hasn't played a lot in, 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 in these Central American venues. These are guys and kids that have been playing for top leagues in Europe, so they're not used to slumming it for a better word, which is what you have to do. You're going you're gonna to get a hotel. There's going to be fireworks going off. You're going to get a hostile uh, a welcome. It's going to be really hot. The field conditions aren't going to be great. You may get a few little things meeting at the stadium. Who knows? Uh, you may get hit by some things flying from the stands. The list goes on and on. Things may mysteriously not work. It's all gamesmanship. It's fine in my books. You just got to be ready for it. And I hope they prepare these guys. Because remember, from the team that lost in Cuba in 2017, only uh, the only guys that are on still that squad that started, Christian Pulisic and... DeAndre Yedlin started that game in Cuba. Tim Reed was on the bench. I don't think he came in. Uh, Kellen Acosta did come in that game, and that was pretty much it. It's quite a transition for the U.S. But I think they'll be okay. And finally, Canada. Canada is this sleeping giant, and they have Dave and Dave and Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. Uh, Kyle Lahren is starting to develop again, become another option. Don't have a lot of depth, but I think they're going to give it a good run. So... Here's how it here's how it pans out. And Canada, remember, I think they're going to be playing in the U.S., so I don't know if that's going to help them. I hope Canada loosens up some restrictions, but it obviously depends on what's going on in that country because if games are in November and December and January and February and you want to get cute in Canada and play those games in a Edmonton or a Winnipeg, even if there are no fans, you're going to have a home field advantage because none of these teams have experienced cold like that. Up there in the western Canada where it's, there's nothing stopping the wind and it's cold. It's bitter cold. Cold that you've never experienced. So I hope that works out. If it does, Canada's going to possibly make those top four spots. If it doesn't, and remember they played at Bridgeview, Illinois, in this game against Haiti, who, uh, again, I, I feel terrible for, but one of these days they'll make it. It is uh, it, it, Canada, I think, could find themselves, even though they have that talented group, could find themselves also in a, a whole new world that they're not really comfortable in. But you know the heck with it. I'm going to go with this. This is the order of finish. Number one, Mexico. Number two, the United States. Number three, Honduras. Number four, Canada. They'll go to Intercontinental Playoff to face a team to be determined. Number five, Costa Rica. Costa Rica have made four of the last five World Cups, so they usually make it. Number six, Jamaica, who could easily be a 3-4 team. Seven, Panama, and eight, El Salvador. But I think all of those teams will get points along the way. This is the Soccer OG. Subscribe. Coming up next, it's the business, and I am joined by the Cooligans. That's next. back here on the soccer og time now for the business end and as they say in the nascar business and i'm pretty sure 
The three people on here combined have seen one NASCAR race, so it's probably not appropriate, but it felt like the right thing to do. It is the Cooligans. Alexis Guerreros, Christian Polanco joining us. I'm very excited to have you two gentlemen who we've, uh, it seems like we we run into each other at, at all the events. And, and as I was telling you guys off air, seeing what you've guys done, starting from scratch and now on Fubo, your show is on Sundays at seven o'clock Eastern time. And you're in part of the, uh, the Fubo efforts to cover World Cup qualifying. Big step for you guys. Yeah, thank you for having us, dude. I mean, yeah, this (laughs) it's an absolute uh, honor. We've been, uh, I mean, we when we first met you, we were just like, Max, we are uh, are fans. I've been a fan of you for years. Your ESPN days. uh, We've, you know, when you did our show, we always were just like uh, to see a Latino in that uh, environment on that stage is uh, it's nothing but inspiring. And also a Latino that knows soccer and cared about it. It was just like, please. (laughs) How do we talk to this guy? Uh, So it's been great. And Alexis, we get it because we're Cubanos. And every time you say you work in soccer, you get a long stare. Like my Tio Pepito goes, soccer, football. My whole whole family is like, baseball no te quería. (laughs) Everyone thinks this is like a a step down or like this is the only sport that would have me. But this was by choice. Even when I was a kid and I wanted to play, you know, soccer, my grandfather sat me in front of the TV and like, put on like a baseball game and I I think Andres Galarraga was there and he's like mira mira gordo tiene un chance okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he wanted me to play baseball so bad you know and, but this is what people love just a, a Dominican and Cubans talking soccer that's it <laughs> the Latin just Americans how we... <laughs> are eating it up <laughs> listen stop for a moment this is a pretty a pretty big moment but I think what I like about you guys, and I'm going to mention your name. So you, we before we, when I throw the questions, I should have known that because there's three of us on here. But what uh, what I, I love about you guys, and you can tell by your fan base, is you're inclusive to everyone. I think that's the key. And I wanted to talk about this too about how do you incorporate a Latino audience because there's no sport like soccer. We're splintered. You have the Spanish language. Uh, TV and the the English language TV and they're so different. I don't know if you guys have seen the Copa America coverage on Unimas. It is a fiesta. They come out. It's like Carnaval just started in their studio. And then you go to the ESPN side and it's very reserved and 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 they're both fine. But sometimes I always go, what is the happy medium where we can? I really truly believe we can get fans from both sides into the same room and there's something there. And I think you guys are leading on the front by on that because everyone can get the cooligans. You guys talk, you, you, you don't say, Oh no, this is just for Latinos. You guys don't count. Even when we speak a little Spanish, I think people get it. So Alexis, I'll start with you, but do you think there's that happy middle ground? I truly believe it's there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think it's there. And I do think when Christian and I started cooligans, one of the things that like a lot of things we just immediately agreed on. And one of the things that we both like kind of knew going in, it was almost unspoken is that we wanted this show to be for everybody. And it was like, but we're still going to be ourselves. Like, you know, you you know, uh, Max, what fuakata means, and you know how to use it because we grew up in a culture that uses fuakata. You know, there's white people that have never heard that term that now use it, you know? Unbelievable. And like, things like gully, like putting those words in, like, the, the soccer universe. And there's some people like, that's never been, that hasn't been used since the early 2000s. It's corny. It's like, that's kind of the point. You know what I mean? Like, we're comedians. Like, we we don't take ourselves too serious. And we, And I think Christian always says, like, there's a lot of comedy fans and there's a lot of soccer fans. Let's see if we can find both. But one of my favorite things is when we did get to go on the road and see what our fan base was, it was like a cruise boat let out. It was a little bit of everybody. There was older people there. There was couples, married couples, young people, you know, people that, you know, maybe are from a different part of town than some of the other people. It's like it was fully mixed. It looked like a like a town hall meeting. And to me, that that's what's most exciting because. We never set out to specifically speak to people from the hood or just people that are Latino or just people that are white. Like we wanted to speak to everybody and we kind of have. And that to me means a lot. Yeah. I, and just to add to that, I mean, you saw when you, uh, you were part of our uh, the live show that we did it in Atlanta. Uh, and, and you know, when we did that tour uh, with, with Toto Soccer Show, that was a that was us also getting to see our fan base in person kind of like uh, for the first time, like trying to find that merger of comedy fans and, and soccer fans. And the, the, what, what I do love is the, 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 the interest. I, I think there's a, the, even us being Caribbean Latinos 
to to let's say Mexicans or, or Hondurans, El Salvadorans, like there's a you know, first a skepticism, like, do they really know the sport? And then sure. also, are they even funny? Right. So we have to right. deal with two <laughs> level, two layers of, of skepticism. But I think when people get past it, there's a we're realizing that there's a there's an appreciation, I think, that people have for like, oh, I don't have to take this sport super 100 percent seriously and i don't have to be an ultra and i don't have to be angry i can like make fun of my my own team i can make fun of myself i can make fun of the other team with nobody being uh genuinely like offended and just kind of have fun with it and that's what we've been kind of learning this is like i think it's very new for us it's very new for this like space like I, 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 you know you i i remember when we did that show in atlanta you and uh, uh, Alexi Lalas, a bunch of people who saw us do stand up for the first time. It, it felt like it, not only because with stand up, there is a un, until I see them actually do it. I'm not going to believe that right. they're actually good at it. Is, is everyone else laughing along at this? You know? <laughs> they're like, oh, OK. Then after people see us do stand up, they're like, oh, OK, OK. These guys, they're they're legit. They know the game and they they're they're true to comedy and they're true to soccer. So we're like, uh, it, you know, we're keep we're, we're fighting that battle of getting just people believing in what we're doing. But little by little, we're getting there. I've seen your stand up. You guys are both funny. Let me say, in comparison to soccer, that is the hard part. There are very few people <laughs> that will get on a stage knowing it could go good or bad, knowing <laughs> it could be in front of a thousand people, knowing it could be in front of eight or nine people because you don't know. But I, I, Alexis came to LA and I saw him at the uh, at a comedy club. It was a good turnout, but I'm sure there's moments like, oh boy, what's going on? And to to give the same the the same per performance all the time. I mean, that takes such courage. So few people will do it. I remember that day I was, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but when I saw you go up there, I go, do I have to do like a set? And I was like writing <laughs> jokes and I'm getting my bits ready. <laughs> I was like, get this written. But uh, it's, uh, and to get really to close the part of the inclusivity, I mean, we're all big fans of the English game. We respect it. We all have our favorite teams. Alexis is Arsenal. Christian is, is uh, Everton, me, West Ham. And then we try and bring that together. And I think that it's there and the, Look, the comedy part, and I'm not I'm not a comedian, but I always brought levity to my broadcast and I was really grilled for it because there was always that unwritten rule of, hey, man, this is very serious. This is football. And I go, no, it's not. And I go, when, when people are talking about the sport, they're at their home, either drinking, swearing, laughing, fighting. It's every anything but serious many times. It is serious right. and requires it. But I think, you know, everyone wants it's a, an escape. So right. if the humor's done well, then you you open up a whole new world. And I'm always, I mean, I, I just crave it sometimes because I feel like we get bogged down with the serious element. And I want to, let's, let's have some fun. It's going to get there. Maybe if not, me, we may all be dead and buried by then, gentlemen. <laughs> the next generation, it'll be a yeah. laugh riot. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we set the stage then, the three of us. Because that's yes. one of the things that, one of the reasons why I think we admired you so much is the times we saw you, you were having fun. And it reminds us of like the Latin American style of calling a game or analyzing a game. Whereas the more American or more English style is very serious and then nothing, nothing gets past us. And you were, you seem to be enjoying yourself as much as the fans watching it. And I always love that. And, you know, I think we've annoyed some people by telling jokes. Sure. You know, there's some places where like, Oh, you, you have, and I have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, if anyone's going to annoy people, it's me. Christian's the nice one, right? He gets the people back in. But, you know, I think you know, you know right away, it's like, we love the sport, we care about it, but we're going to have fun. So if you want to have fun, we're the people to have fun with. And Chris, have you seen that? I, I, I wanted to get this a little later. We're going to talk about what's going on because the summer's been incredible with all these stories. We'll get into that. But, and, and you guys have started to cover with Fubo, uh, the World Cup qualifiers, you're part of the the staff and I, and to be to be the personalities but to also bring in analysis how do you see that balance and how can it work in a right way i know it can but i know you have to convince people about it over and over yeah i think the the kind of what i was saying before like we're we're, we're here just like doing that that work i will never claim to be a soccer football expert but i am a hundred percent willing to to learn. I mean, there's a uh, even when we started doing the podcast and, and we're and we focused on, you know, definitely MLS and American soccer, there was there's a you know, I, I started going to MLS matches like around like 
maybe six or seven years metro stars right i don't know i didn't know how the league like initially started i didn't know the people that 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 founded the league i didn't know the people who saved the league right so but but getting to learn about that stuff and then you you know and also uh also using my skill which is i'm honing a comedy career i've always said that if you are watching our show and you're not laughing, we're not doing our job. Right? right. So even if we're doing World Cup qualifiers, we're trying to get at least one or two jokes in there in within a, a serious broadcast. And that is the uh, that is our responsibility. It, you know, if people are coming to us for serious soccer analysis, then I, I can all I do is apologize and really maybe make a couple suggestions on a couple of people you should check out. Um, but the the uh, I think people are not coming to us for for specifically expertise, but maybe just a maybe a nuanced take. You know, they, there's you know, I would also say like Trevor Noah and, and like John Stewart and The Daily Show the, for a lot of people. That is how they ingest news. They prefer yeah. it in a in a more. Uh, with some more levity and some and some humor rather than watching the uh, 24 hours news network. So that's kind of what we're trying to be for soccer. Smart, real smart. And uh, it, it's going to get there. And I, that was really well put, Christian, when you look at how people consume things, you can either get it consume. You can either watch it with someone doing tactics. And I like that. But sometimes you can say, hey, man, how about, uh, the, you know, the Gareth Bale hairstyle or whatever it is. And you bring it all together. It's all part under that umbrella. I know you guys have been watching the Euros, so I'm going to do a quick little roundabout as to who stood, who is the the best team you've seen, who is uh, what is a storyline that you found interesting. I will begin so you can get the idea. You know, everyone said about everyone's played once, and everyone I was impressed by some teams along the way that did better than I thought. I think at the top of the list so far is uh, the Czech Republic, even though they just beat Scotland, but I think they put themselves in a position to do well. It's kind of shaping up in a lot of ways to what we saw last Euros where we don't know until we get to the round of 16. And I'm not going to even bold a prediction. I will say that the French came out and they performed in a way that told me that this is a very special team. I can't wait to see them. I think anyone who is watching the Euros, if you don't have a lot of time, you circle the French and what they were able to do. Paul Pogba playing you know, passes inch perfect, uh, getting bitten, they, getting you know? bitten. I mean, so many good. <laughs> I mean, you can see this tournament is going to unfurl so many storylines that's going to keep us compelled. The the games are generally there hasn't been major blowouts, as, which is usually the case. I think of the 24 teams, maybe seven or eight, I wouldn't say could win it, but could make a semifinal. I think about 10 or 12. I mean, I think about just about all of them, maybe minus two or three could make the round of 16. They're all kind of in there. And once you get there, it doesn't, it, it all kind of, it, it opens up as we saw last time when Portugal came through the back door and Wales made the semi and Iceland made the quarterfinals. All of that, I think is going to happen again, but I think the French have something that is very special and it still feels like they need to go into a fourth or fifth higher gear. I'll, I'll hand the baton off to you, Alexis, and you can tell me what you think. I, I actually agree with you. I, to me, France was the team to watch. You know, they won the World Cup. A lot of the players, I feel like, have gotten better. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like N'Golo Conte has gotten better since then. And they added Benzema. Um, Mbappe also feel, I feel like he has something to prove. I feel like this is possibly the offseason where he switches from PSG to whatever the rumor is, you know, uh, Real Madrid. So it does feel like he kind of needs to stand out and say, like, no, this is my uh, tournament. Um and there's just so many storylines. And I got to be honest, I was amazed at what they were able to do. I think Pogba once again shines. It's proof that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has no clue what to do with him because look how good he looked already uh, in this competition. But I'm, I was a little worried that they, they scored basically off an own goal. Like there was no, there was nothing from the run of play. They were getting caught on the offside trap multiple times. So I still think there's a level above what we already saw. And that was them ripping apart Germany. You know what I mean? It could I mean, have been a, three or four goals. That's what I tell people. I think Germans yeah. have to walk away and say, we lost by a goal. This isn't bad business. Yeah. The Germans actually walk away going, whoo, thank God. You know? <laughs> Our goal differential is good. <laughs> yeah. And that's all for loss. Also, I feel terrible for Hungary. Uh, they are, you know, they're just there to get beat up every match because their goal differential is going to be super important in this. And somebody made this point in our uh, on, on our Twitch is that they can see Germany actually not moving forward. 
uh, if, even if they finish in third place, because it might go to some other groups and they might be right. Um, I think the group F is the group of death, but it's also by far the most fun group to watch. I don't think there's a match you, you can miss. So I'm, yeah. I'm really amazed by that. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of piggybacking on that, like I, France, um, the, they, they, they looked amazing. And, uh, but I think that kind of the, the way Germany played them and and that offside trap is probably a good template of on how the other teams are, are going to play them going forward it which is like let let mbappe go up ahead a little bit and, and just and keep a, a a tight line and and maybe you know they're going to be a, a var is going to overturn a, a couple goals i would say um my dog has uh, is chiming in uh <laughs> i get dogs barking on this all the time and it's just part of the soundtrack i love it if i don't have a, if i don't hear a dog barking on one of these zoom calls then i'm doing something wrong <laughs> the the uh, it, I, I, look as far as the best team so far, I think that that looked pretty good and uh, it is playing with some confidence. I think Portugal, I, I think what they did to, uh, to to Hungary in those last like seven minutes, uh, it was a big deal because they were, you know, we saw Spain play against Sweden, 85 percent possession. And, and could not score. So there are teams that can just uh, park the bus uh, and 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 play that uh, play that game and and be successful. Uh, yeah. But to, for Portugal to get to break through that and score three goals on top of that, uh, I think is uh, a very good sign. So I, I would say after the after every team played once, uh, they're probably my favorites at the moment. I like what you said about the defensive tactics. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but it is being rewarded. So you got to encourage teams. And I also like the shout from Hungary because they were the forgotten team in that group, Alexis, but they had the packed house in the first game. And all of a sudden they're saying, Hey, what we're laying down a marker. We're part of this group as well. I wanted to ask you about something, obviously the biggest story that happened to yours and get your thoughts on, I'll give you my two cents on what happened to Christian Erickson. There were two things that happened in and around that game one involved from what we do in the media and that was the images that ESPN used stayed on the field and we all had this visceral moment where you're seeing Christian Erickson being resuscitated and you're thinking to yourself the worst possible situation I mean I, I knew I felt what everyone was feeling that I, I'm seeing this live and it's terrible the other thing was after that happened UEFA starting the game back and finishing it, and clearly Denmark was absolutely, as you would expect, affected in a way we could not comprehend. We could venture a guess. So those two elements. Now, the first part, as awful as it maybe feel, I, I still want those images, maybe not to see the medical staff, but I want to see those images. I think that's what we need to see. Can you cut out a little sooner? Certainly. Mm-hmm. But for people to say, okay, just take it off. We'll go to the studio. I was like, I don't, I don't know if we want to set that precedent. If something like this happens, because it becomes a news show, people have to be equipped to talk about it. ESPN's crew was tremendously uh, eloquent in equipping and informing everyone. And the other part, I think we'll all agree. Maybe I'm wrong, but to start that game was insanity and the short-sightedness of UEFA not finding a way to put a game in. I know it's a tight schedule, is crazy, and it's compromised the tournament in many ways because there's no way you could have thought Denmark could have found a way there. So, Alexis, those two themes, uh, how did you see it? You know, and I agree with you. I think there's so much conversation happening, and I know a lot of it is based, a lot of Europeans are saying, like, you should never show it, you should never show it, you should never show it. And I meant, I mentioned this on our Twitch. It seems like it's a... Uh, it seems like it's a, a PTSD reaction to that horrific fire uh, that they had in um, in Liverpool uh, or with the Liverpool team. I can't, I don't remember what stadium it was in where the cameras didn't pull off and you saw people passing away in real time. So I get that. But I there's something about showing it. And I don't want to be the guy who's like, we'll just change the channel because I'm not that guy. But there is something to this is important. People need to see what's happening. This is important for the game. Um, I get that there's emotions that that are created by seeing something as horrific as this. And I get that there's a lot more to it than just what I'm saying. But I'm of the camp of I think it should have been shown. And I I, I don't think you zoom in. You know, I don't sure. think you 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 uh, you you um, make it, uh, you know, a spectacle in any way, shape or form. 
And when the fan, when the players start to sort of surround him, I think you pull back a little bit. But hearing the fans cheer, let me know he gave a signal of some sort. Let me know that he was okay. And there was a sense of relief that I don't think I would have had if it was just four people in a studio talking. You'd be thinking about what's worried. going on. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're you want to you want to know what's okay. It's imagine a loved one. I may be zooming in on the wife crying. I mean, yeah. and I, I said this to some degree, I agree, but also like, I think, I think Christian Erickson might want to see this when he gets up, when he, when he wakes up, he might want to remember this. You know, there's, when you go through this trauma, your brain zaps yourself of a, a lot of what happened. You know, people have been through accidents saying, I don't remember any of it. If, you know, someone's like, oh, you shouldn't film an accident. That was horrible. If I was in an accident, I'd want to see what happened. You know what I mean? And, and I think that there's that family will bond around some of those images um, and maybe the wife don't ever want to see it again, but I think Christian Erickson will want to see that. And, and maybe the kids will want to see that when they're older. So I'm, I'm, I understand where you're coming from. If you say, don't, don't show it. But I think that's, that's the power of the, of, 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 you know, being a human being is that at any moment, anything can happen. And I'm glad he didn't pass away. Maybe I'd feel different if we did watch him pass mm, away true. on camera, but because he didn't, I'm saying, I feel like that was the right choice. Yeah. I, my thought on it is, uh, it, it it's almost like at least for me it's not the conversation i want to be having over uh, i i think for the most part the, the you know it was obviously a very traumatic uh thing but it, it wasn't the fact that i saw it wasn't why i was upset you know it wasn't simply because you know I, i'm not going to put the onus on on UEFA the, the, on the feed for not showing me I'm watching this game. It is, it is a, a, such a high profile event. Millions of people are watching this. Uh, that is the, uh, the risk the players take They're They're essentially putting their lives on the line for my entertainment. The risk is that I could see something that could uh, affect me in, in some sort of way. So the, uh, I could under, I, I could understand being upset by it, but it, it seems strange to me to immediately look for someone to blame. Hey, I, you shouldn't have let me see that, which is su such a strange debate to even be having. Like the nobody knows it's an emergency of a situation. Nobody knows what to do. Everybody is like the camera people, the camera operators are doing their job. Go put the camera on where the action is. It happened to be in that moment. Um, so it, it, it's such a traumatic and tragic scenario that already to start pointing fingers on how it should have been handled is, is very just un, unrealistic and, and unfair to, to put the responsibility on one person to protect everyone else's eyes. It seems, it just seems a little silly. Those are great takes gentlemen. And, and it was obviously difficult to watch. And Alexis, if, if Christian Erickson died, where this conversation is very different but to see what the humanity and at work was was obviously inspiring. And I'll say this, and I tweeted about it. I haven't done it yet, but I will. Watching that and seeing how it worked, I want to. I learned CPR when I was very young. I want to relearn it because these things happen. I was on yeah. a plane and it happened where somebody had a cardiac arrest. So it just said to me, take those images, use them to your benefit, and who knows, maybe benefits someone else maybe benefits me down the road in, in a certain way i'm gonna i'm gonna do a I massive think christian should learn it because he's around my fat ass all the time what happens if i you know oh god <laughs> christian needs to carry a defibrillator around gotta get <laughs> gotta get recertified right? <laughs> alexis i love you man i was gonna say i the words coming out of my mouth like i have to do a real hard pivot but now i don't <laughs> because <laughs> but this is it we should laugh with this is, this is life it comes yeah. at you fast as they say i mean look and i think there's something I, we mentioned this before on our show but we're comedians you know the, the way we deal with trauma and bad events is we make jokes in our heads sometimes we don't say them out loud because we know we'll get in trouble for them um because not everyone is ready for it but uh that's how we deal with it so there's never a time where i haven't thought of something funny to say when something bad or or or, or rough is happening because you know that's how i've always dealt with the stuff so i'm always going to make a joke about myself if i get the chance you know yeah it's also like the on a more serious note like the my, my uh older brother had a, a heart attack when he was 41 years old and we look at christian is 29 years old and the so you know the the interesting thing is uh, we had tweeted out pretty much saying like 
you know, if you don't share this video of, of, of Ericsson and, and things like that. And it's interesting seeing um, how common you like you just mentioned, like you, it happened when you were on a plane. It's such a common thing that like, people to go through this. And like it, it was it's obviously traumatic and everybody has their own like subjective kind of experience uh, with this stuff. But like with my brother, it happened to him while he was playing a sport and and he was he was 100 percent fine a day later. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like how do you go through something so traumatic and then you're like, how how are things back to normal uh, so quickly when you were so close to like losing someone? So that is, I, I, I think, you know, with. Uh, I we I, I didn't get to this point. We were doing this on on our show and and on the podcast. And I think the reason this is why it made me feel like because especially when it comes to the the images and seeing uh, everything that was going on and and a lot of the 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 conversation was like, will Christian Erickson ever play again? Right when th this is like the immediate question when we don't even know if he's gonna like be alive and gonna be okay. Crazy. And 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 it made it makes you think about at least made me think about that it's almost like livelihood is more important than life, especially to like men where like what we, we have to, if we can't do like, if we can't produce and we can't make a living like that, almost like our life doesn't have as much purpose. Uh, and it's like such a, a, a dark uh, and, and maybe stark real thing that we all kind of deal with. But that's what I was, that's what this whole experience has like made me start thinking about like what, does life mean what does you know because it, it seems like you, with uefa they were like the game must be played and and these are the th these are the options that they gave denmark and it's like whoa like is this man's life and and the trauma that we all just experienced not as valuable as just finishing this second half you know uh so like i, I think it's a good that's why we, even with seeing the images like i think it's a good um, moment for the world to kind of have where we all collectively like, you know, these these moments are almost like as viewed and as tragic as like a 9-11 and, and all these terrible things. But we all it's like this collective conscious of like, all right, well, how do we want to process this if this happens again in the future? And I think it's just, a, a, again, a healthy conversation to have. What the, what was the medical reaction for your your brother when that happened? Did he he collapse? And then was there people on on he was nearby? He he happened to, yeah, he was uh, playing handball and he was with uh, a bunch of friends and he happened to be like four minutes from a hospital. Wow. Uh, and he, he cardiac arrest, uh, like literally like clogged artery, which is, uh, that was the cause of it. And um, I, he was like out for uh, something like three minutes, which is like a, a, a difficult thing for like our entire family to even like process him being so young and an athlete and playing. And, and, and uh, we just didn't think anything like that would happen, but that's the one thing I, I, after that happened to him, I tell people, this is one thing I was, if people are listening and, and uh, are, are interested in stuff, get an echocardiogram. I don't know if it, a lot of people don't know much about that, but I'm writing get that it, down. which is basically uh, it's like a sonogram of your heart. And it tells you if your arteries are clogged or not get, one year it doesn't matter what insurance you have they will cover it just it, it, it's a good preventative thing to just know where you are it, it, yeah you can know what your cholesterol and all this other stuff and people and obviously way, have other medical issues but that's an important is, one to do his brother is a relatively thin in yeah. great shape professional athlete yeah and he had a heart attack at 41 years old so go get checked it doesn't matter i don't care if you yeah. ride your bike 50 miles a day it doesn't matter get yourself checked because he had no symptoms and then he collapsed. Yeah. And I think we could say that, you know, Christian Erickson and, and, and that happens to your point, And I'm glad you brought it up. Christian is like someone retweeted it just to shame this guy, but someone was like, Oh, now what's, what's uh, Denmark going to do for their attack? How are they going to produce goals? Yeah, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. This is like minutes after it happened, but uh, I think I'm glad someone's bringing up the importance. Yes, of exactly. I mean, <laughs> what are they going to do? Are they going to still play with two is use of pulse? And I go, shut up. <laughs> so, I mean, I hope that, I hope this ends well for Denmark and they have a, a triumphant moment moving forward. We'll find out more as this tournament wears on. The Copa America started. I want to touch on a little bit this was a tournament that was given every opportunity to not be played. It was like, I compared it to the, uh, the scene. I don't know if Monty Python and the Holy grail where he chops off the arm and goes, Oh, it's merely a flesh wound chops off the other arm. You go, this is going to end. And then he, and they just keeps going. So, uh, 
it's weird tournament, 10 teams, and they're going to have these group stages where they eliminate two of the 10. So it's a bit tedious, no fans, which is, it gets juxtaposed when you see it because the, the noon, I should say the noon Pacific time game from the Euros ends. And then you go over to these uh, Copa America games and it's pretty stark, but uh, the stars are there. It'll get better. Hard to get into it right now. And I think obviously the big, the big story is Lionel Messi and can he finally win one? And I think he can, because this is going to be a weird tournament, but and Alexa, it's, it's, I think that window is just about shut for Messi because either, uh, I don't know if they can play with him where, because he sits there and he, he doesn't really move a lot and the team doesn't support him as much. When the ball comes to him, he is dynamite, but it doesn't come to him enough. I don't know if it's working. I don't know if you can have players like that on the national team level where uh, you're going to be effective because you're, he's going to have to even hit a, a goal from every set piece, but maybe it's, you know, this thing with Argentina where they start restart uh, with a, a new look, I'm sure they would suffer by it because you just don't not have Messi. I'm not pushing Messi out the door. I just don't see it really working. I hope I'm wrong, but that was like a tough watch. I was watching their opening game against Chile and they, a lot of times looked like the second best team, Alexis. Uh, if I'm if I'm Messi's manager, I'm telling him one time switch to the U.S. Right? I mean, what do you? What one are you, time are you? <laughs> you have that in your you have that in your in your your wallet. You have the little card. Here you go. You know why are you constantly fighting for? He looks like he's in such distress when he plays for the national team. There's no joy in him. It doesn't seem like he's having fun. It doesn't seem like he's having a good time. I think this is the end of the road for him. I think this is it. This and this next World Cup seems to me, I would imagine. I do think you bring him back and sit him on the bench. If you can find a way to get him a World Cup, you do it. But there's just clearly nothing about this that excites him or he has fun. There's so much pressure being put on him. They haven't surrounded him with better players or players that are of the quality that, that give him the opportunity to play at his best. He hasn't had the best. I mean, right now he's got a failed manager, and I hate saying that because I love Sampaoli. He's my favorite manager in football. But he's got his assistant. Is his man Like, nothing has been set up for this guy to win. Not clearly. a sexy choice. <laughs> Not, I mean, the guy's got the same name as him. That's it, Lionel. But... Uh, if, if I'm Lionel Messi, you think that I'm, was in the that was in the hiring process? Hey, this Lionel, Lionel, book it. Let's, let's stop acting like the uh, like the Argentinian Federation wasn't like maybe he won't notice, you know? Like, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just it's embarrassing to watch what's happening to him, and I hate it. And and yeah, I, I do think the 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 gate is essentially closed. His opportunity is done, and I don't think he's going to walk away with any wins. Just move to Barcelona and don't ever look back at Argentina ever again. <laughs> the, the one thing I would say, look, I, I think, yeah, the opportunities are, are, are drying up uh, to win something for Argentina. The, the one thing, especially the game against Chile, the, 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 the national team, the, the other 10 players that play with Messi are playing against the, the opponent. They were playing against Chile, but they're also playing with the pressure of, of possibly letting Lionel Messi down. You feel it every time they make a mistake, every time they make a, the, the, the penalty they gave up, there's always this like, not only did I let my country down, but I let down the number 10. And they, they all want to win something for him. And I think the, when the, the mindset has to, the mindset might, might only change when he is gone because they, they, they're not all just playing for themselves. They, they're playing with a God and they know that yes. they are. And they feel like, oh, I can't, I can't make a mistake because now everybody's going to be mad at, I know everybody's going to be mad at him when I, I'm not helping his legacy. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great take. It's there's got to be this this energy that comes off of Messi when he's on the field, and the other players are like, oh my god, it's Lionel Messi. I'm on the yeah. field with him. Don't mess this up. Right. <laughs> it's it's got to be it's got to be difficult. By by the way, Alexis, I think if he was to come to the U.S., I think the players we have could actually work for him enough where it might be a better ending. It's a better that system. It's a better it's also system. A better tactical system. I think Burr Halter would also be like, what do you want to do? You know? <laughs> He's like, where do you want to play? Yeah. Yes. A false nine, done. Right. Here's a pen and paper. You tell me what 10 you want surrounding you. Go. <laughs> Beautiful. More current events. 
We know we now know the identity of the three countries that will join Mexico, the United States, Costa Rica, Honduras, Jamaica in the octagon of World Cup qualifying, which will begin on September the 2nd. Congratulations to Canada, El Salvador and Panama. So I just am a big Van Halen fan. I'm sorry. The Dominican Republic didn't make it. I was watching those qualifiers. I'm like, please, like a miracle. We need one. Also, but they got they got, okay. they, <laughs> they got kind of far. Hey, Cuba's doing some good things. They, they're, yeah. they're actually bringing players from the exterior. Who knows? That might end well uh, in the not-too-distant future. Poor Haiti had this horrible goal error. Thankfully, it didn't cost them. But, you know, that's I always feel that's like this a, a sleeping giant. Doesn't have the resources and the infrastructure, but the talent is certainly there. But they'll have to wait for 2026, which is going to be a better World Cup. Anyway, the big question, Christian, I'll start with you. Any well, I'll let you guys and I'll I'll bring up the caboose here. Do the U.S. qualify? And do you do you have a do you have a pick as to the three teams? Give me the four teams that would also make the playoff. The fourth team that would make it of these eight. How do you see it? Um. Yeah, you have us, to say you have to say yes because it would be uh, obviously absolutely devastating. We just had um, uh, Sebastian Leggett of uh, obviously of the your rival LA Galaxy uh, on. That's and, okay. And he, I like Leggett. He's good. He's, he's a, a good, good dude. dude. Yeah. Good dude. Uh, and he was uh, kind of uh, he was kind of just uh, talking about just the, the the camaraderie, the youth, the the different kind of uh, energy and perspective that I think this uh, U.S. men's team has uh, as compared to the. Uh, to the, the last one um the the other teams i mean look I, i'm gonna after seeing canada uh they they have to make it i mean they've been missing out on world cups way too often i think this is a good uh i think this is a, a good enough team to uh, uh make it to get out of the the octagon now um uh, can you say what are all the teams again uh, just okay, so I mexico can... usa costa rica honduras jamaica panama Canada, El Salvador. So actually, Mexico, U.S. Uh, in this order. In this, uh, yeah, okay. well, let's say that <laughs> in any order. Whatever, Mexico, <laughs> Canada, uh, United States, and uh, I mean the four. This is going to be a, a tough one, but I mean it's usually Costa Rica, right? I mean, I, made, I don't think they made four of the last five World Cups, so they yeah. usually do it. But I don't. Yeah, it could be yeah, a changing so, guard. Yeah, those uh, yeah, those feel like the the the, the right uh, the right teams unless something dramatic uh, happens. I I say I I'm not as confident that Canada gets through because as much as Canada has some amazing stars in uh, Jonathan David and uh, uh, Alfonso Davies, um, the talent kind of drops after that, and yeah. they still have their filler players aren't exactly the role players that you you can trust, and you know if they. If a team comes up against them and, and does a couple of good things to to take Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies out of it, you have a serious drop. I'm not sure, you know, the, you take away Jordan and Pippen. I still think Kerr hit the threes. I ain't got no Kerr. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I'm not as confident. Hey, we don't I have think... Jordan and Pippen, Steve Kerr, game six of the NBA finals. We need you to hit that three-pointer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody there. Like Emmanuel Petit or whatever that guy's name is. He ain't doing it. Piet. You know what I mean? Piet, that's guy. Yeah, he was. I was good. watching the game. He was pounding grapes like at the beginning. What's <laughs> he's sitting on the bench, just eating a giant thing of grapes, dude? He's That's so French Canadian. I almost love it. Um, yeah, it was so French Canadian. So I do think that there's um, I do think there's an opportunity for like maybe a Honduras to sneak in. You know what I mean? Uh, with with you know playing with the guile that they play with. But I do agree with Christian. I think it's going to be U.S. then Mexico, most likely Costa Rica, and then. I'll say Canada for now, but I do think it's rickety. You know what I mean? Donovan rickety rickets. That was terrible. <laughs> you don't. I apologize. I did get a. Is that a courtesy uh, laugh or that's a legit laugh? No, maybe no, it's legit. a Cuban thing because I would have done the same. <laughs> thing. Oh, this is buenísimo. Donovan rickets. Oye, dilo otra vez. I think the U.S. makes it probably second. I think it's going to be a grind. You'll have to get, if they get points in Panama and El Salvador, the American public's like, you won one in El Salvador, I'll be pumping my fist. I go, job well done, win the home games, be selective with where you play the games. I'm going to go Mexico, USA, Honduras, and Canada fourth. I just realized this, and I just, when you guys were talking, it's like, the games are going to be September through March. So Canada has an opportunity in games in December, 
January, February, you find the coldest, you find, go to Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. And you put <laughs> these teams in there and then you lock it down where it could be a situation where they win. Their, I don't know. It's cold. Teams overcome cold. These are pro, these are top level athletes, but there's an opportunity there. And maybe we'll see some crazy images from the, the deep white North in Canada where it's snow and wind and crazy chills but if you look january february in those some of those cities is no joke i don't think they can play so maybe they'll have yeah. to go some maybe they don't even play there because of covid i didn't even think yeah. about what a mess poor yeah. canada they played the game at bridgeview last night that was their mm -hmm. home stadium what a bummer so uh i usa i hope grow into it but there's a lot of young kids that haven't really experienced concacaf as you guys have gone viral with you got concacaf yeah. <laughs> i hope we don't hear it but it's possible <laughs> Most likely. Your image you, of you turning to the camera, you got kunk maybe <laughs> popping up. I don't want to yeah. see that, Alexis. Yeah. It, it's such not. a we made that what like four years ago. We, it's beautiful. And, and we did it, it is one of the most viewed pieces of content we have ever made. <laughs> it's wild too, because we when we started doing that, like when we started the show, like there were so many things that like we just added to our vernacular when it comes to soccer and getting concacaft was one of them. And it seems like it's now a part of you know the lexicon like yeah people, yeah right. people tweet it out and they've never even heard of us but they know you've got concacaf and they'll put our our gif in it and it's something they use every time something a little concacaf happens you, know? <laughs> you guys i cannot tell you how much i enjoy the conversations with you and appreciate you jumping on my my new little podcast here means a lot before we go some breaking news i want to see how surprised you are of this that uefa will allow Barcelona, Juventus, and Real Madrid to play in the Champions League next season. Discipline has been suspended. You know, they were going to rule with an iron fist, and all of a sudden, that's gone away. Shocking, no? Mm, it's, it's, yeah. it's similar to those uh, uh, Manchester City financial fair play rulings. Uh, they always seem to find some way <laughs> to not really uh, uh, bring the hammer down. Uh, I mean, not, not surprising. This, this is uh, overall, it's um, kind of what the, the point I was making before, uh, where livelihood and making money is, is really more important than any, than almost anything uh and if and if that if if something gets in the way of that everybody knows if these teams are not in champions league this is going to uh, uh you know not only cause an uproar and a, and a big stir but financially it's going to hurt so many people that why you know slap on the wrist pow pow you don't do it again and and we keep it moving <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't nobody want to see Ajax versus Zenit St. Petersburg in the final? You know? That's what I'm saying. They have no choice. I, know, I, I yeah. think it's not just Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus, but you still have Ronaldo and Messi embedded in those clubs. Yeah, it's impossible, to, it's impossible to punish them when they are the way you make your money. Everyone knew that moving forward. All this does is add fuel to Fiorentino Perez's fire to start this thing again next season. Um, and, I, you know, I get it. If you're a fan, you hate this, but... We're fans, but we're also comedians who talk about this. So thank you for constantly giving us fodder. <laughs> um, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, everyone's going to go towards the money anyway. And look, if I'm ever found for tax evasion, can UEFA or FIFA be the judges, <laughs> please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout. Literally oh, don't worry. We got you. We got the, you here. Alexis. The entire jury is just like, uh, you know, Seth Blatter and Gianni Infantino. <laughs> I'm just walking around handing cigars to the jury, and they're like, I don't know. He's a nice guy, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love how he says, we're going to slap you on the wrist. Don't do it again. And then Florentino press. No, we're still trying to do Super League. I just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still planning on it but we'll I mean, take your things not advice. again because we're still doing it the first time <laughs> but this, we haven't you know, stopped <laughs> this is what the whole super league thing and, and on, on a like a bigger note it's just like it just really shows the the irresponsibility uh, of the, the people who manage these clubs like to to be in so much debt to to uh you know it, it, it can get out of hand very quickly it's like it, they, they basically went these these clubs are just like these giant brands that are effectively too too big to fail right? nah, nobody's wrong. gonna let it shows the lack of vision okay <laughs> by fifa and uefa that's what it is no man it, it is these clubs have become too big to to fail and they and and what what fiorentino paris is looking for is a bailout and which is what the super league would have been a huge uh, influx of cash 
from this big TV contract because they've mismanaged their money. The money that they pay these players, like it, it's gotten out of hand and it's and it's unsustainable. So th- this is why it leads to these um these these decisions and this be, uh, being this reckless because they're like the only reason the Super League even uh, the idea comes up is because like, bro, I am broke, broke. We need to fix this <laughs> <Big> quickly. <time. laughs> yeah, it's like you. It's like that scene in the Caddyshack where Judge Smales puts the quarter in the guy's hand. He goes, "It's a typical. Here you go. Nice work." He looks at the corner. He tosses it. Yeah, That's yeah. Real Madrid. Goes, That's not gonna cut it. <laughs> I need a better tip. <laughs> Give me some stock options when that happens. All right. I want to, I want to be in there from the beginning. That would sell. <laughs> Look what I got for Christmas in my stocking. <laughs> Everybody getting Arsenal edibles. It got to be oh. strong to make you forget you're in, you're in ninth place. <laughs> Guys, I'm not kidding. This is a real. Is this really happening? I'm on in. Are we are we doing this? Yeah, little little bongs shaped like cannons. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Try the West Ham games. one. It's gonna hammer you. <laughs> Let's this is terrible. Go. Christian Polanco, Alexis Guerreros, two of the best, one of the best podcasts, the Soccer Cooligans. You can also see their show on Fubo TV, seven o'clock Eastern Time on Sundays. You can see them everywhere. They're the best. Follow them on Twitter, the Cooligans, on all social media platforms on YouTube. They are the goods, as you've just heard here in Living Color, at least in, in your ears. That's <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you, thanks. Max. Thank you for your time. Soccer OG will return. We'll come up with stoppage time and discuss teams. Playing a low block and getting results in the Euros. That's next. Time now for stoppage time. And as we enjoy the Euros, there's a part of me that is a little annoyed about something that has occurred not unexpectedly in some of these games. And when you have a 24-team tournament where several third-place teams advance to the round of 16, then you can approach this tournament a little differently than where the stakes are so high, like in the World Cup, where you have three games and you better finish first or second or your tournament is over. After four years, it's a long wait to do that. So the Euros are more forgiving. I like the 24-team format, but there has to be some adjustments because of what it is creating. And what it is creating is situations where teams don't have to play, where they roll the ball out and a team says, you have the ball, we're going to sit here, we're going to break you down, and we'll see if we can get you on the counterattack. And it's paying off for many teams. We've seen it multiple times. Finland beat Denmark in a game that we talked about with the Cooligans that probably should not have been uh, played out at that time because the Danes were in it. However, they weren't able to convert. They missed the penalty. 22 shots to one was the advantage over Finland, and they lose that game. I understand evening the keel here for some of these teams, But that shouldn't happen when you have that kind of domination. Portugal in their opener, 70% possession. And uh, they kind of had to squeak it out at the very end. They had to leave it very late. Wales did that in their first game against the Swiss. It was hard to watch, but they got a result. The biggest biggest villain in all of this was the Swedes, who I want out of the tournament now. They were one of my surprise picks. I don't want to see them go any further after what they did against Spain. Right from the beginning, they were hovering around 10% possession. 10%, that's hard to do. If you were a 13-year-old team, that is hard to do, let alone a full professional team. That means you're not even trying. You're like, that's like the ball coming to you. You're like, I don't want it. I don't want it. Get it away from me. That's wrong. It ended up 85% possession for Spain, and they peppered the goal, and the final score, cero, cero. I don't blame these teams for doing this, but we've got to do something to discourage them from trying it. And we go back to the 1992 Euros. Denmark won it, and the rule was the back pass to the goalie. They've gotten rid of that. 
And it was because of that competition. Remember Peter Schmeichel, they'd hit it back, he'd wait, he'd wait, the player would run up, and then he'd pick the ball up. And then would eat up 30 seconds here, a minute there. It was awful to watch. I know in a past episode I said how much I loved the, that Danish team. They did it the right way. But they won't be, allow them to do it. And, and sometimes they don't need it. Look, Spain isn't that much better than Sweden for them to be doing that. Denmark is much better than Finland, but 22 shots to one difference? Absolutely not. So what can we do? I think the easy fix to this is expanding the tournament, which they're going to do at some point, to 32 teams. Being able to qualify in third place allows you to do this. Once you take that away, it's a different story. Now, can this tournament survive with 32 teams? It wouldn't be ideal, you know, seeing Macedonia and the Finns for that reason and Turkey, which I didn't expect. Uh, in a competition like this, Scotland, uh, you would like to see, uh, you understand that if you get further down the, the path, although imagine some of the teams that aren't here, like Ireland and Norway, that would be good. I think Europe could absorb it. It's still a lot of teams. But if you have 32 teams and you have eight groups of four, and only the top two teams advance, the group stages are much different, and teams will play. Maybe there is something you can do with possession. Maybe if a team has too much possession, doesn't have enough possession, you yellow card them, or you take a player off. I know this is very avant-garde. Something has to be done. I don't want to go on too further because I went a little bit long with the Cooligans, but you get the idea. Fix the game. Find a way to do it. This We don't want to see more games like this. And... It's turning fans away, right? Right. This is a Soccer OG. Rate, review, subscribe, join the OG Army. Merchandise coming soon. I'll see you Sunday for a new episode. Until then, Placido Domingo.